For thousands of years, it has been hidden from those who seek its infinite powers. Now, they sent the key to her in the form of a sister. Dawn will uncover the truth. She's gone. She is the key. They sent her to me. We have to find her. An all-new Buffy. <laughs> Welcome to I'm Eating This Banana, Lunchtime Be Damned, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago, and this week's episode is Season 5, Episode 13, Blood Ties. We're talking about plot. We'll be talking about characters. We'll be talking about the Knights Templar. Templar Knights. Tempe Tempe Night Knights. Uh, so spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, after it, the comics, and probably other shows and movies. Probably. Probably. You know what? You know what? I'm not doing this podcast. Blobs of energy don't need podcasts, do they? Welcome back, everyone, to a totally normal episode that is just like every other one, and we never have any problems or never have to re-record anything. Parker said it's okay to make mistakes. Hey, who who's the best podcast around? That's me. My name is Kelly. I'm hosting this podcast with two other people. One of them is named Stacia. Stacia, say hello. Hello. The other one is named Daniel. Daniel, say hello. If the apocalypse comes beat me is the only thing standing between Don and this god bitch from another dimension that wants to shove her in some kind of a lock and give her a good twirl. That's right. Tempe, Tempe, night, nights. <laughs> I just realized I said that. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Did you write that down? No. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was the new that you were bringing to this episode. Like, I thought you were lying about not bringing something new and that everything was going to be new. You topped yourself. God. I'm sorry, my repeato girl. Uh, We're not here to talk about... Well, I guess we are here to talk about Tempe Night Nights, but we're also talking about (laughs) Buffy the Vampire Slayer, specifically episode 13 of season 5, called Blood Ties, which originally aired on February 6th of the year 2001. Written by Steven DeKnight, and this is the first one of five for him. Um, he might be a familiar name to other fans of Buffy, as he's big in the comic side of stuff. He did a, a wrote for a lot of season eight, and I think even beyond that, probably some non-canon stuff too. But he's a writer and director. He's done a bunch of stuff. Did you ever watch the MTV show Undressed? Either of you? No. Yeah. Oh, I remember Undressed. Yeah. yeah so I guess he he wrote uh, and directed on that too, but. Uh, Smallville, Spartacus, Dollhouse, Angel, um, directs a couple of, he writes and directs a couple of of episodes for all those as well as a a bunch of other stuff. What matters more is who directed the episode, right? That's right, because it's Michael Gershman, who was the principal photographer on all the episodes since the very beginning and all the way through the end. Uh, Principal photographer? Cinematographer? Are those different things? It doesn't matter. This is the fifth of ten for him. For the series probably direct- does if it's your job yeah i'm sure but it's not my job <laughs> uh last episode was this year's girl next one will be intervention um and the next one for for steven tonight too i think right i didn't write that down damn I think we had this yeah, you didn't write time. it down last time so that's continuity You're good. <laughs> great 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 cool but you made one mistake what was that well i'm not actually positive but statistically speaking people usually make it what what happened in this episode we're still kind of reeling from the information that Glory is a god. And while we're all hanging out at the magic box, kind of decompressing from that, we let slip that, hey, not let slip, arborated into confessing that Don is the key. We didn't tell our friends. And 
probably for a good reason because after we tell our friends, they almost immediately spill the beans and they can't be cool for even one second and not tell Don. Um, what's more important is that this episode is Burfi's birthday. Again, here we are. It's pretty under the radar in this episode, but uh, it's definitely that time of year again. And we're all having a party and hanging out and doing that thing that we love to do, which is talk about Dawn within earshot to make her freak out and feel weird. Uh, and she does do that. And she decides that maybe she should go sleuthing and check out the magic box to see if maybe she can figure out what this key is and why everybody's being so freaking weird. She recruits Spike to help her on her mission. And they break in. They find Giles's diary that he hid in a very easy-to-access drawer underneath the cash register. And... Dawn finds out, oh no, she is the key. She's not real. She handles it poorly. Uh, She goes on a little bit of a spiral. She sets her room on fire, but just the trash can parts of her room, and then (laughs) flees the house. Uh, She goes to the hospital, because that's where the crazies are, after the revelation that second sight blokes and crazies can see the key. So she wants some information. She goes to the hospital, runs into crazies on purpose, runs into Ben accidentally. Ben, turns out, is glory. Oh my God. And... Almost gets abducted slash brain sucked by Glory, but doesn't because in the last second, Buffy comes to save the day. And Willow and Tara transport her into the sky to temporarily get her out of our face because it's not the last episode of the season yet and we can't vanquish her. So, is there any firsts? I don't know. There's some fun facts, kind of. The morph scene between Glory and Ben apparently took five hours to shoot because... Basically 90s technology. Uh, Claire Kramer obviously is not as tall as Charlie Weber, so I guess she had to stand on a little box forever, and it took a very, very long time. And I just thought that was pretty funny. It was not worth it. (laughs) What are you talking about? It was a huge reveal and totally necessary and couldn't have been accomplished any other way. The Dawn Get Out scream, that is the scream of watch fame, happens in this episode. And the same exact screen, like they could have just cut and pasted the scenes. The same exact screen, happy scream, happens on Buffy's next birthday. Can you believe? In the episode Older and Far Away, she does the exact same get out, get out, get out, shriek. I just, I mean, when you nail it the first time around, I... Do you think it is? It, do you think it is? I mean, one? it's... Is this a conspiracy theory? Uh, I do. We, we should find out. We should actually pay really close attention to the audio and see if they just dubbed it in. Willow has a thing for bubbles. Apparently to Willow, bubbles, birthdays mean bubbles and bubbles mean birthdays. Because apparently she, she if you notice in the background of Buffy's birthday scene, she's blowing bubbles. And then also at Tara's birthday and family, she's doing the same thing. Uh, black nails. Man, I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel for stuff to talk about. Black nails are de rigueur, apparently. Is that how you use that? Durriger? You would say black nails are Durriger or Durriger of the season or just Durriger? Anyway, people like black nails. Spike's painting his nails in this episode, obviously. Oz used to rock some black nails. And even, I noticed, Glory in this mm. episode, also black nails. I mean, they could be like a really, really, really dark red. But... How is this? Th- is this a fun <laughs> fact? This it is, was so important the this? internet talked about it, so I am compelled oh, wow. to mention it. Meanwhile, I'm breaking my nails every day battling the forces of evil and my French teacher can't even remember my name. Also, Chicken and Stars! <laughs> the the oh, Joyce's yeah. go-to comfort food, and which I have totally respect because I always want Chicken and Stars when I don't feel good. She offers Chicken and Stars to Don because she's going through some stuff and also did the same thing to Buffy during Earshot to try to fix her demon part. What are the aspect of the demon? That's what he says. Yeah. 
Yep. Wait, wait, but would you want Chicken and Stars when you find out that you're not real, though? Like, that you're just a pigment? Would that help I you? mean, no. I don't know. That's never happened to me. I would not want it, though. I would yeah, not I, want I it. I don't know if it calls for soup, honestly. I don't know if, like, mental anguish calls for soup. It's mostly, like, sick... Not feeling good. Would you turn down soup? See, I would never turn down the soup. So if Joyce offered me the soup, I'd still be mad about it, but I'd take it. <laughs> I don't know. People handle emotions different ways. See, sometimes chicken, when, but chicken and stars. I would always say no to chicken and stars. I don't what? like chicken and stars. It's oh, icky. God. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> gross. Gross. I said it at Weird, the top. Nasty I'm done with the podcast. Bits. I got to go. Oh, this is the chicken and stars podcast. Sad excuse for noodles. <laughs> I mean, they are the tiniest bit of matter that could be so considered all a noodle. of it's just it's like tiny rough. rubble in the soup that you can't yeah. pick any of it out. It's just like weird mouthfeel. It's terrible. Mm. I mean, I don't think we saw her actually make the chicken and stars in earshot. She just threatened to give it to her. I did take it as a threat. Yeah, I was, she was never going to do it. Well, that's why she reacted so poorly. She was like, this is an empty threat. I've said yes before. I never got chicken and stars. She's just doing what she thinks moms do. So I'm mad right now. So I'm not going to put up with this bullshit. That's what that scene was. There's just one dusty can of chicken and stars (laughs) that's been sitting there since they moved to Sunnydale. That's what we have. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And then you never eat them because it's gross. And you forget that until push comes to shove and you actually might have to eat it. It's like a comfort thing for her to have them in the house. Well, I could sit and debate how good Chicken and Stars is with you all night. Hey, did you like this episode of TV Station? (laughs) As much as you like Chicken and Stars or more? On a scale of Chicken and Stars. This was, um, yeah, this was chicken soup for my soul. Oh. Don't you remember those stories? Yes, of course. Of course. So it was good? Yeah, I like I like this episode. Okay, well, that, I mean, it really depends on your feelings towards chicken soup for the soul. Mine apparently immediately negative. Mm. So that's how I learned the word suicide. What? <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, See, I have this an, is already a better podcast. An anecdote for the the chicken soup for the soul too. I I read one of them. I don't know which one of them. Little like twelve. Yeah. And there was a fucking note about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There was a story about two Whoa. girls talking in high school, and their code name for the guy they liked was Xander from Buffy Aww. because he was the hottest. And I'm like, that's wrong. But Justice for Xander. <laughs> that's objectively wrong. <laughs> Holy moly. All right, so you're re- you chicken soup for the soul good. Daniel, yeah. what do you think about this episode? Uh, yeah, chicken soup for the soul good for me, too. <laughs> Which I don't know what that means. If, I don't know if I if it's good or bad. Uh, yeah, no, it was good. Uh, Dawn is great. Trachtenberg is amazing. I'm constantly impressed with her, and it's fun to rewatch it and see how great she is. Anybody that can stand toe-to-toe with SMG is good. And every time SMG cries, it's nice when someone else on the cast can also cry. So <laughs> she gave a good cry too we're good so and uh, you know you buy it i just buy them being sisters and you know the end was was excellent and i think there's definitely amazing moments of acting in this episode and specifically from michelle trachtenberg uh it, it is like one of the first times we really see dawn and spike get to bond right like uh, the really the only interaction they've had for a prolonged period of time is happens off screen in the in the prior episode where they're in the spike's tomb but uh, the scene with them at the magic box was just like flawless acting wise. There's the yeah. 
where they're trying to read the the journal and then Spike uh, misspeaks when he reads was just like such a moment of realism that I was just like totally impressed. It's, it's rare when you can get sucked into a show so hard that you're like, oh my God, that was like a real thing that a real human being would do. Is this real life? Are we in a TV show? Is this the Matrix? It was just like really powerful and great. And I think that they both did an excellent job. And I just like, what a beautiful little subtle touch to really like make that scene. I started work, but the council has suggested to us that they were interrupted, presumably by glory. They obviously did manage to accomplish the taste, accomplish the task. They had to be certain the Slayer would protect it with her life. So they sent the key to her in human form, in the form of a sister. Huh. I guess that's you, Nibbler. He's an actor. He's a professional. I've seen him act. And then it's like, oh, is he acting or are vampires real? That's what I thought in that moment. I was like, this is a real moment. Yeah. No, I loved it. Except for them hanging out, which makes no sense because, you know, last week they were strangers to one another in the crypt. And she like skulked, skulked away while they were talking about passions as if they've never met one another before. And now they're best friends. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. There must have been a lot of bonding happening in the crypt. We don't know. They just like all hung out and became close friends. That's how I like to watch my TV shows. Yeah, where all that happens off screen. Right, yeah. The best type of TV totally. shows. Yeah. I believe the uh, subtext here is, is rapidly becoming uh, a text. Clearly this episode is all about Dawn, which is kind of the first one we've gotten since Real Me. So it's nice to, to put her front and center since she's, you know, like the whole revelation of her even existing is the kind of the thrust of the season. So it's, it's cool to, to focus on that. I'm sorry that I said the word thrust, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> plunge and move on plunge and hello this is a pretty thin metaphor for adoption or at least that's like the consensus about this episode right and and i agree to a point but i think there's a pretty huge difference between being adopted and being a mythical ball of energy True. that didn't no. exist same three same, months same. prior <laughs> to uh to this episode <laughs> so yeah i just uh i th- i would i would imagine if someone said that to me, you would have some feelings. Now, Don is unfortunately 14 years old, and I was a nightmare at 14, so I imagined I would handle this really poorly. But I don't know if I would have set my room on fire. Stacia, if you were trying to cast your mind back, but you were like a horse girl, not to put you on blast. <laughs> okay, so I don't know. Great, so the whole world. <laughs> so I don't know if you experienced the world differently. I'm seeing like a really cool preteen right now, right? Reading Chicken Soup for the Soul, hanging out with my horse. That's not wrong. <laughs> you're talking to her like she has doesn't have human emotions. Like, Stacia, do you have, because you're a horse girl, do you have human emotions? Do you feel things? Like, would adoption feel, would it feel the same to I you the way it feels to us? <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, really, no. <laughs> how, do you think, how do you think you would have handled the news of... Of your like, we won't say adoption because like that's not. I don't think that's super relevant because it's not the same thing, right? So if someone told you when you were fourteen, you're not real. You're actually a mythical ball of energy. But I love you very much. This is your parents, I suppose, <laughs> or friend group saying this to you. How, how do you think you would burn your room down about it? 
Well, you know, I've never had one of those metal trash cans that's really convenient on TV shows to light things on fire in a controlled manner. I know! So I don't know that it would have occurred to me to light my room on fire. I do think that I would have also handled it badly. Definitely screamed. Probably would have skipped school. How much havoc can you wreak when you're a horse girl, though? <laughs> See, that's what Get I'm on saying. my horse and ride away. <laughs> you're good. You're good, right? What if they told you your horse was adopted? <laughs> it's not mine. It's not my horse. God. I was going to tell him when he was older. Oh, God. Daniel, how would you handle this? And more oh. importantly, did you have a metal trash can? <laughs> No, I've never. Well, no, I've never had a metal trash can. I did light fires when I was younger, what the hell? and I wish I kind of knew about this trope, you know, because I would love to try it out. I don't know if I've ever really tried it out, you know, lighting fires in a not nice trash can. Oh, lighting. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that classic trope of not existing. <laughs> I mean, if only. Uh, no, and uh, ad- adoption-wise, no. I mean, this is something you tell you know your younger siblings. So no, I've had nobody to tell me that I was adopted to cause me any sort of anxiety like that. Um, if I found out that I was for real, though, I don't. I don't know. I, I. I would. It would depend on how old I am and stuff. You know, what would I? What would I do? I probably wouldn't light my house on fire. No. I like. Okay, so did you ever do that? Like to tease your little brother because you're both the older sibling to be like, well, you're adopted to hurt your brother's feelings. No, because I always figured if someone was adopted, it was me. Nice. <laughs> nice. Horse girl! <laughs> There's something that you need to know about Dawn. And yeah. during the um, like angsty teenage years, I think I wished that I was yeah. adopted. Like, ugh, yeah. this family. <laughs> I never told my sister that. I mean, I don't think anybody actually I mean, do, do people really do that? I don't know. I mean, if I did, I certainly don't remember. I mean, my brother never did, for sure. I I never had a metal trash can. Mm. Um, but one time, I think for Christmas, I got this kit, like this make your own s'mores kit that came in like a paint can or what I thought was like an actual metal paint can, but it turned out to be kind of like metal coated plastic. And so the only thing I could make a fire in was that can. So I tried to make a fire in the can and I succeeded in making a fire in the can. <laughs> but then the can melted and burned a hole in the carpet and my mom found out and it was a really big mistake. So if you're going to build a fire <laughs> in your house, make sure the metal can you're using is actually metal. Um it's a good way to get adopted, though. If you did do that and your parents found out, they could put you up for adoption. See, that's one they could. way. I mean, that you know, if you want to be adopted, there you go. Light your house on fire. <laughs> you should have done that. You should have. Yeah. Um, do you think – so one of the other, like, adoption on TV tropes, or, or maybe this is a real-life thing, too. I just – I wasn't adopted. Nobody I know was adopted. Um Except for, like, this one girl at work that we knew. And they told her when she was little. I think probably whenever she was able, like, I don't know how young she was when they adopted her. But I would imagine, like, as soon as she was, had, like, rational thought, like, you know, that you could talk, to explain an idea to her, old enough for that. They told her. Joyce says, we were going to wait till you're older. And that's such a common thing. Mm. Do you think that helps? Do you think it's better or worse? Would you want to know immediately, Stacia? Or would you want to, I don't know. Um, I think... And again, speaking as someone with absolutely no experience, having not been adopted and not adopting anyone, <laughs> I would think, I would think that it would be better to tell them like immediately, or just like you know, like it should be a thing that you're open about and that you talk about from the point that they can start to understand these concepts. Because I think that if you wait until they're older and they're 17 and then you like pull the rug out from under their feet, it's gonna feel like why was this a secret? Like why did you hide this from me? 
Right. Well, and that's how Don feels even at 14. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's the betrayal aspect. And then the longer you do it, the more of your life you've been lied to. Right. So yeah. I guess that just feels worse. Although, I mean, they only lied for like a couple of months. That is true. And they didn't even know they were lying for a good chunk of it. Because well, they didn't know she saying. was vacant. They didn't know until like a month or two ago. Yeah. They're so. in the clear. They're fine. We're not going to be able to fix this with a hug and a kiss and a bowl of soup. Dawn needs to know where she came from. She needs real answers. What she needs is her sister, Buffy, not the Slayer. No, I would tell my kid as soon as possible, you know. Yeah. Once you felt like they were mature, I mean, it's going to change for everybody. I mean, I think um, in the alternate universe, I said something about taking a photo of them right when I got them or whatever. Or no, telling them, taking a video of me telling them as a baby. So then I'm oh, right. clear. I told so you I told the second them, you got in this house. Told them and then the never again. Were, and then that's it. I don't need to explain myself anymore. I treated you like my kid. <laughs> it's exactly. not my fault. I mean, the thing not to do, though, is to walk around talking about like, oh, should we tell our daughter that she's a fucking adoption and she's a fucking key and she's like inanimate objects and shit. That's the thing not to do. Like, you can tell them on your own time, but how about you don't talk shit about your fucking ball of energy um, that is also known as your child uh, <laughs> during your uh, other daughter's birthday party or at every moment over the last three episodes? How about you don't do that? Oh, there is a name for that trope, by the way. I did look that up. The name for that trope, which is totally unfun and completely we could have puzzled it out ourselves, is out of context eavesdropping. No. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. That's probably the most one of the most famous ones. Like it just it is the thing for every sitcom that sets up the misunderstanding that drives a whole half an hour or in this case an hour or in this case half a season of plot. And specifically so. in this episode Buffy's screaming, basically screaming at the top of her lungs. She's not our she's not related to us. She's not our kid. She's just a magical ball of energy. She doesn't matter. We don't care about her. She's crazy. She's not real. She's not family. We don't even know what she is. <laughs> cool look for Buffy. Is what she's probably thinking. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Um, I Another thing that they bring up, um, they being Buffy and, and, and Joyce during the conversation about Don, they kind of have two different approaches, right? Don's really upset. Buffy says, give her some time. This is a big news. Uh, and Joyce is like, smother her with soup. And I was curious what you thought, what the better approach was. Tisha, do you think trying to like force her conversation out of her to make her feel better is, is the right way to go or giving her time to absorb. Um, I think that you need to make it clear that you're ready to talk to her whenever she is, but not try to force the issue. Cause it's a lot, it would be a lot to process for anyone. And maybe like kind of pay attention to the sounds coming out of her room, like things being torn mm-hmm. apart or thrown around. Just, you know, sound of journals being ripped up and lit on fire. Uh, Daniel, if you if you got some life altering news like this, and again, I think age kind of plays a part because if me being thirty two, someone was like, "Hey, you didn't exist till three months ago," I'd be like, hmm, "Cool, cool. Uh, do I have debt? Yeah. Do I did I have student loans? Like, what are those? Can everything just go back to zero? Um, do you think that you would want someone to like talk you into feeling better, or would you want you know the space that Buffy?" was trying to give Don. 
I, I mean, you would definitely need the space. I, I think, though, that Don would be completely open to wanting information. Like, what they're doing right now in the show is just trying to coddle her. She She's obviously, like, wants information, wants to know what's going on. And they're not really, again, they just don't, they're not going to say it. But I feel like if you were like, hey, Don, I'm going to tell you everything, everything we know, then she would come down and talk and you probably have a productive conversation. So if you were like, we're going to go talk about you downstairs. <laughs> no. I mean, just be open about it. She'll be like, okay, that sounds good. I mean, she really would. She would come downstairs and be like, all right, let's get some soup and let's chill. I, you know? I completely agree. Something that struck me this watch around was after Dawn comes downstairs with, you know, blood dripping off her arm and everybody's kind of eschewed, we assume because it's off screen, is, is, you know, eschewed out of the house. But Giles, right before he leaves, he says... Uh, do, are you sure I can't help? And Buffy says, no, this is a family thing. We should handle it ourselves. I think that's completely wrong. I think you're right in that she, the talking that D- Joyce wants to do to her is just being like, oh, I love you. It's okay. Everything's fine. Let's talk about something. Mm-hmm. Not this. Let's try to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. But what Giles would do is an information download, which I'm sure she does want. She wants answers. So I think Giles would be a great vessel for that yep. because not only is he not her mom or sister, He's a really knowledgeable person that could explain it, not coldly, not like detached, but I think that she would not direct any of the, her anger towards Giles. I mean, maybe she would, but it would be way less yeah. than being like my mom coming down on me, my sister trying to get in my head or whatever. Just be like, I want answers. This guy's delivering my answers. He's somebody I trust and, you know, somebody I care about. But it's just I think that would have been way better. She would have handled it way better and we would have had a different outcome. But we need a trash can fire. We really, really did. So I, I guess I'm glad that didn't happen for that reason. But sure. Sure. Um, well, and also, I mean, that's definitely Giles' biggest KO is when she's like... <laughs> no, no, this is family. <laughs> you like family circus? I like Marmaduke. Oh, ugh, he's always on the furniture. Unsanitary. Nobody can tell Marmaduke what to do. That's my kind of dog. I like to read Kathy. So I wonder when they all left, if they were just like... It's so weird that, like, I don't... I, I should feel something like I should feel weird about her, like, you know, self-harming herself. But I know she's not real. Like, I wonder what they're thinking right now. I mean, if I were them, I would still be like, I know this person's real, but I also know that they're not real. Yeah, right? I mean, that that's a great point, too, because they're already dealing with their stuff, too, because they have to reconcile that with themselves. That Like this person. Wait, I've known this person for, you know, five years they don't actually exist. What is that? Oh, God. So that's a lot to deal with. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe everyone has reached a level of detachment because they're too busy dealing with their own shit that they're like, okay, I'm going to leave. Well, it's like the journal. It's like the journal when they talk about that and, like, you know, Willow stammers off and Buffy fills it in because she's like, I, you know, has to confirm for everybody in the group that, like, I have those memories too. I know what you're talking about because we all share the same memory. So I know you're questioning it. I did this too a couple weeks ago where I had to question everything. Right. But we all need to be on the same page. So it's just kind of like Willow and all of them are obviously on step one of this process. She tore up her room. She burned all of her diaries. The Donmeister Chronicles? Well, she's been keeping those since... Maybe... Since she was seven. I remember too, Will. So the second scene of the episode uh, is the worst one, I think, uh, of the episode for sure. Because it's so clunky, it doesn't make any sense. We see the Knights of Byzantium holding their swords, holding the blade of their swords, not being injured at all, very sharp blades. Uh, And then they're attacked by, unsuccessfully attacked by Glory's minions. The scene absolutely drives me nuts because 
why are they randomly attacking the Knights of Byzantium other than like, we don't like each other, so let's just stage some kind of attack because we know three of them are hanging out. They are completely ill-equipped because they're just little minions that don't know how to fight very well and get their asses kicked immediately. All of them except for Jinx dies. And then the second after they all die, Glory comes in. So why did she send them there knowing full well that they weren't going to be able to do any damage and then wait until they all died to swoop in? I just like, it makes me very angry and I hate it very much. But what I don't hate is Stacia telling me stuff about knights. <laughs> Natural segues. Do I deconstruct your segues? Uh. I don't know anything about knights, really, other than, like, they're just, they're basically, like, mercenaries. So, you know, the hound from the show that shall not be named, how him and Arya on their little adventures, they go uh, to this, like, farm. And the guy is like, hey, can you stay and protect me? Because, um, you know, bandits and whatever. That was kind of what knights were. It was like these landholders would be, employ these scary big dudes to keep their land safe from other people and they in return would be able to stay on the land and sometimes they would get paid but that's all i really know about knights and then now today it's like sort of elton john right like people are getting knight i i don't know i don't know now that Kelly's done half my segment already <laughs> let's jump into why friday the 13th is considered cursed <laughs> <laughs> wonderful uh so like kelly was saying knights were basically you know pre-industrial age tanks. <laughs> they were just like heavily armored thugs on horses and basically no one wanted them anywhere around them because they would just take what they wanted and burn villages and rape women and were all around terrible tanks. So they really were like the hound. Like yeah. Bad dudes. Or like Gregor. Yeah, Gregor. Yeah, so there was this wow. push to make knights into this idea of like chivalrous men so you'd have like a code of honor to uphold because that wasn't always historically something that knights were known for and it was much more like heavily something people assume like in hindsight like poets started talking about how like these chivalrous knights doing these things to like protect a special woman or something and that wasn't actually true at the time but like in hindsight people thought it was true so then current knights were like yeah <laughs> So anyways, out of this is born the Knights Templar, their full name, poor fellow soldiers of Christ in the Temple of Solomon. That definitely is not as snappy. It's hard to imagine why that wouldn't have caught on. <laughs> but they were created in um, 1118 by a French knight who was like, hey, uh, Christianity is basically the coolest. There's these horrible Muslims that keep killing our people because they're... Just going into this place where Muslims live and killing them so that they could pray at a site that both Muslims and Christians find sacred in their respective religions. And I don't think that's very cool because clearly Christianity is better than Muslim manity. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna create this order, Knights Templar, to keep our pilgrims safe. So they would uh, guard pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem, generally, without getting killed. Ideally. <laughs> but one of the things that they found was your target for robbery, if you're like, hey, I'm a rich pilgrim and I've got all this money, I'm taking to my holy site. So the knights were like, why don't we just remove that variable and make the pilgrims not worth robbing? So pilgrim 
give me your thousand gold. I'll give you a piece of paper that says you gave me a thousand gold. And when you go to Jerusalem, you can give Jerusalem me a piece of paper. <laughs> that piece of paper. And Jerusalem me will give you your thousand gold back. It's a really cool system. You won't get robbed to death. <laughs> and you'll be able to do all your money stuff. <laughs> and pilgrims were like, yeah, this is actually pretty cool. So it was basically like the first sort of banking institution. And... The knights, well, they took vows of poverty, so individually the knights didn't own anything. They also had a lot of other vows of, like, chastity. They weren't even allowed to, like, hug their moms. It was a really, like, messed up Oedipal thing. I don't know. Anyways, uh, people would bequeath, like, gold and land to them, especially when those people died, like, in their wills. And so after a while, the Knights Templar as a group, was actually, like, ridiculously wealthy and owned a huge portion of Europe. Um, Like, all these little plots of land started to add up to, like, a large plot of land. Like, oh, hey, we own France. Yeah. Guys. (laughs) Yeah. And the French king was like, "Mm," (laughs) side-eyeing him the whole time. (laughs) So, in addition to this banking multinational corporation (laughs) that they began across all of Europe and the Middle East... The other thing is, since they're so devoted to their faith, they're also basically impossible to kill because they don't give up unless they're told to give up by it, like one of their higher commanders or whatever, because it's much more honoring to die for Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, who didn't save you in this moment, than to, like, (laughs) run away. (laughs) So, like, their, like, sort of, like, fame was cemented um, at one of the most famous battles of the Crusades in 1177 called the Battle of Mont. Mongisard. Um, basically, the 16-year-old king with leprosy was like, hey, 500 Templar Knights, I've got a 1,000-foot soldier soldiers. Let's go against Saladin's Egyptian army of 26,000 people. And the Templars were like, yeah, yeah okay. right. <laughs> and basically, they kicked Saladin's butt so thoroughly, he ran back to Europe with only a tenth of his actual beginning army. Um So, they were, like, highly respected, highly wealthy, but then the Crusades end. And someone else who's also highly respected, highly wealthy, the King of France, is like, what are you guys doing now, though? Like, you're here in France, which is great. I love it. (laughs) But I'm a little bit worried that you might be committing heresy, devil worship, spitting on the cross, homosexuality, and financial corruption. So, I'm going to... (laughs) Do a raid on all of y'all on Friday, October 13th, 1307, and arrest every single Templar I can find in France. And then I'm going to torture you for weeks and serve you until you admit to everything that I think you did. Wonderful. So they did this thing called the strapado. Basically, you tie the arms behind your back and then hoist them up by the elbows to dislocate your shoulders. They also dipped their feet in oil and hung them over fires and put them on the rack and um, basically only gave them, like, scraps of bread and water. So, obviously, after a couple of weeks, and these were mostly, like, not hardened war veterans. They were, like, accountants, right? Like, they were, like, the banking people. They weren't, like, the ones going out with swords. They were the people writing the notes that say, we owe you. (laughs) So, uh, they quickly confessed all manner of horrible things. Um, and basically the king was like, aha, I knew it. You were dirty scoundrels all along. 
I'm going to make sure that you're no longer anything and officially disbanded them in 1312. In 1310, he burned 50 of them at the stake. 1312, he officially dissolved the order. And then in 1314, most of them, like, re-upped, like, yeah, I was a bad person, like, let me go. And then the king was like, yeah, okay, just, like, let's not do this again. (laughs) But the ones that didn't died in captivity, except for a couple of people in 1314 were burned at the stake. And that was the end. Oh, wow. Neat. So So much burning. And uh, that's why we think that Friday the 13th is um, unlucky, because... Hundreds of people were arrested in France and tortured until they admitted to being gay. <laughs> they were murdered for Amongst it. Amongst other things, but <laughs> mostly the gay thing. <laughs> that That's so crazy that the Knights Templar is like the origin story of Friday the 13th. I would have never. Yeah, that's I mean, they're that. actually like the origin story of a lot of things. Like, um, they had a uniform that they had to wear, and part of the uniform was like this white bib. <laughs> that's not what they called it, but it was basically like it's a, a bib. tunic. That's also not what they called oh. it. Uh, and that was, like, what Sir Galahad wore in the ne- King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table because he was supposed to be, like, the most righteous and chivalrous of all the knights, and so he was kind of modeled off, like, a Knight Templar, so... Because they were the chivalrous, coolest, toughest. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's kind of interesting because the Knights Templar, they had a really big impact on Europe and, like, honestly, banking. They kind of invented, like, our, like, modern concept of banking. But there were a lot of other religious knight groups at the time that were doing basically the same thing, not the banking, but, like, the protecting of pilgrims and stuff that we don't even think about anymore. Like, they just don't matter. (laughs) But the Knights Templar are, like, you know, they're still in pop culture today, like uh, Dan Brown's book and... Da Vinci Code? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And the Mm -hmm. other offshoots of that, yeah. Well, and also yeah. uh, Assassin's Creed, famously. So, yeah, they run the whole world in Assassin's Creed. So you go back in time and relive these memories, and everything's all connected to the Knights Templar and the Apple of Knowledge or whatever, and all these memories of the whole history of everything from... And the first game takes place pretty much, like, post-Crusades. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's fascinating. When um, they were still a group, there were rumors that, you know, they were protecting either the Holy Grail or... The Shroud of Turin, um, which are obviously like holy relics and Christian faith, and I think part of that has helped keep them like alive and sort of like modern consciousness because mm. you have that question of like, what if? I don't. I don't really take knights like in my head. I don't think of them as crusaders. I think of them as just like Don Quixote and like these guys. Like I'm on a mission, doing a thing, and it's like keep all of the relevance to our real world today out of it. Thank you very much. Let's just have you yeah, as a historical like, fact, but it's not true. A specific king with like specific uniform and right. your like I don't know, like the king's army and Yeah, yeah well I mean that I think that the analogy to them being like tanks is really yeah. apt. Like that's how I think of it, that they're just a military unit. Yeah. But that's like not even really true. They're all just kind of loosely about the land. And it's just so funny that through branding in a really great spirit of fake it till you make it some like poets or like people that were just concerned citizens yeah. basically were like hey why don't we start telling everyone that knights are really good people yeah so that all these assholes will start being good people and then it yeah. worked like yeah. it did it's so good, fucking crazy super worked man Amazing. never doubt the power of a poet i guess yeah do we it's think true. the knights of byzantium are 
Like, are they're chivalrous? Do we ever get any indication that they are, or they're just kind of like a different type of knight, like more of a more generic one? I mean, I kind of thought that they were loosely based on that, but like Stacia through her research, I don't think it's really mm-hmm. true. They're just like generic knight, and again, it's just like generic fraternal order. These guys just happen yeah. to wear chainmail and have swords. I mean, I think to the point that they're like protect, like the rumor that the Templars were protecting. The Holy Relics, Grail yeah. or something. That's a good point. Is yeah. along the same line, and it's like a religious order. But that being said, like that's where it diverges. So it yeah. could definitely have been like the point of inspiration, and then you know, twist it to fit the story. Play around with history. It's I mean, it's fun. It you know, we all kind of get it when we see the person in chainmail. We're like, got it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we're going up against a god, an actual mightier than thou god. Well, you know what they say, the bigger they are, the faster they stomp you into nothing. She's right. It's nice that they're called Byzantium, which is, you know, a thing we have in our world, too. So it's very convenient that we can refer to them as something we understand, even though they're from a different planet, right? They're from a different fucking universe. The knights are not, no. They're from here. They're from... Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the knights and the monks, everybody's from here. The only thing that's not from here is glory in the key. Wait, so these guys just like they live in the chainmail? They just like oh, this, yeah. that they just in their lives. Yeah, they man. Go to the store. They lived in like the Soviet yeah. Union before. Yeah, they are up at Safeway okay. with their scooting along in their buggies with their fucking chainmail. Now I would imagine just like any I good that they came from another planet. No. I have no idea. No, oh, no, okay. no, no. Well that's Yeah, they're all just better. humans. They're all just humans that are like obviously this is all supposed to Oh, maybe not obviously. I'm assuming <sighs> That they're all supposed to have come about around the same time. I don't know why I made that association in my head. It's never explicitly said, that's for sure. Um, but, like, the monks and these guys kind of came about around the same time. But I don't know that that's true. Because yeah, yeah. Byzantium, it, that's a thing, right? Like, that was a period yeah. of history because there was a, that was a group, a ruling group, right? The Byzantines. Well, it's the, it's the offshoot of the Roman, of the of Rome. Holy Roman yeah, I mean, Empire or whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, that yeah. was around the 1100s, right? I mean, so, so I mean, I'm fell thinking what, 400. So yeah, after that, I, that's probably why they're named that. I'm assuming that's when the order formed. But yeah, they're they're totally human. That yeah. would be a really silly name to name. That would be so generic at the time, yeah. though. The Knights of Byzantium. Yeah, totally. yeah. Like, we like the we're Knights all of by America. Byzantium guys. <laughs> yeah, the Knights of America. Oh no, that actually sounds really weird and racist. Well, the Ku Klux Klan they call themselves Knights. Do they? Yeah. Oh, I thought they called themselves Wizards. That's the higher ups. Oh. And Grand Dragons and shit. They have all kinds of names. Yeah. The leader of the Knights Templar was Grand Master. Yeah, see? There was got to be Grand something. Weird. Fucking losers. Um, obviously, we know Glory is immortal. Right. Because she's, like, just this side of time or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or just this side of forever. Is is Ben just, like, the latest in her string of Bens? So that's, that's what, kind of something question. we talked about at the beginning of the season because there is no concrete answer. Because I was curious... Remember, like, it was Glory transforming into Anne as a baby, right? Like, baby Glory. Who knows? I think, to the best of what I've been able to, like, cobble together and just kind of putting pieces, filling in the gaps, I think that Glory did her soul or whatever essence fused with him when he was born, right? Like, life starts at conception, guys. Whenever that happened, uh, Glory came into existence when he also came into existence. So from from being a baby, which is weird to think about, because theoretically he had parents and his their child was just like flashing back and forth. But that's the other thing too. It could be that she was trapped in him this whole time, but it's just now yeah. being able to flash, right? 
Okay, but my point is, if we know she's immortal, but if the knights and the monks were created in reaction to glory coming to our planet, mm-hmm. which was like the Byzantine Empire. Oh, no, then... no, no, no. Yeah, sorry. So, no, it's she has not been around since they have been around. They, they were formed and existed f- because they knew at some point it would happen. Like, they're all hedging their bets on a prophecy that might never come, and they've been hedging their bets for a thousand years. I just think you're freaking out because you have to fight someone prettier than you. That is the case, right? Glory is evil and powerful and in no way prettier than me. When did Glory come to Earth? 26 years ago or however old Ben is. That's it? I'm thinking. Or more recent. She either just came in the last two years or because the key happened, I guess. Glory and... And The key's been gone for exactly 26 years? The monks have been keeping the key safe for... Ever. Right, yeah. So the key, but I'm sorry, yeah, the key just got made flesh, but the key's been around forever, but she hasn't been on this plane until recently. How do you know that, though? Because, I don't know, that's just, like, what they explain. They talk about each other like they know one another for a long time. For forever, But it doesn't make sense, because in my head, she would have just come over and picked the fucking host. She got kicked out of her hell dimension. That was the whole thing. But was that recently? I thought that was, like, in 1100 Mm. BC. I don't, I didn't think that. I thought Mm. it was recently. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Because their war had been happening for eons or whatever on the other plane, and then she recently got kicked out and put to Earth. That's but, the way that I, I thought about it, yeah. Okay, but no, because I've always thought she came here in, like, 1100 B.C., mm-hmm. the monks and the knights invented themselves to keep the key away from her, and they've been playing a centuries-long game of hot potato That's why Glory is so frustrated. It's not just that it's been... Because if it was, like... 26 years i don't know i feel like that would be like nothing to her if she's truly immortal but she makes it sound like she's been doing this for so long well i think that that's why the idea of her just gaining her power over time i mean that's why 26 years feels like that's not a long time in the scheme of somebody who live who is immortal but i'm sure it would feel like forever especially if she was in fact like trapped more so than she is now i mean giles even makes the thing the thing like her powers have been lessened right so like in my head that's why she came to, to life when Ben came to life, but she couldn't be like they they couldn't transform until like recently, and it's been happening more and more, and it kind of ramps okay. up. And they even say that later that the change has been happening more and more. My head canon is that she came in 1100 BC, and um, she jumped into Ben, and Ben's been alive this whole time in the same. So Ben's form. immortal too. He's not immortal. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He's not immortal. <laughs> Because if he was separated from glory, he would age and die like a human. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's killable. And yet, he's still an intern. He's not a doctor yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's going through culture A thousand shock. years and you never even made a doctor. Damn, yeah, dude. I'm, uh, that's my headcanon. The other one is, which is possibly worse, is that glory was thrown into some random baby a thousand years ago. That baby grew up and died. She's thrown into another random baby and starts the cycle all over again. <laughs> and Ben is the hundredth Ben. <laughs> I think ben. I think that everything happened in present day. I mean, because yeah. we talked about this before. Because we brought up these same things. Because I thought the same thing too. But I think it happened in present day. And I think her thousands of years ago is our 26 years. Okay, but then my next question is, she says, The last time I caught a peep, it was a bright... Green, swirly shimmer really brought out the blue in my eyes. When would she have seen it if she's only been on Earth for 26 years? In the other on dimension, the home planet. In the other dimension, yeah. yeah. But I thought 
thought they did the key is on Earth the whole time because why would the monks? What are the monks doing for a thousand years without a key to protect? What are the knights doing for a thousand years without a key to hunt? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? And I thought the whole point. I thought the whole point of the key was that it opens a door between their worlds so that she can go back to her world. So she would have opened, they, her other hell gods would have opened the door with the key, thrown her out, and the key behind her, I guess. <laughs> no, I still think it's crazy. I mean, you raised this, Kelly. You raised this before. And I yeah. think just, like, time and space don't, you can't really fuck with that, you know, because time doesn't mean anything once it gets to that regard. So when she came here, who knows, you know? And again, it could feel like a million years, but was it? You know, I don't know. But I, you, you got to assume it was three months ago. Like, when this season started, glory came to Earth. That's what that was. But it, that's why it's confusing. And it's mysterious for someone like me who doesn't really know about Glory and Ben because what is their relation? So I guess going forward, it'll be interesting to see how they talk about it more. Maybe we'll have more of an answer to this. Doubtful. Um, <laughs> after this conversation I think my f- official position including plot hole of key situation is that Glory has only been on this planet in this realm for like three months or you know like three yeah. months from the beginning of the episode or beginning of the season because otherwise why wouldn't she have attacked sooner why wouldn't like there's a lot of questions of if she's been around for longer why didn't it happen and even my idea of like well maybe she couldn't take over Ben's body sooner or whatever it just seems a little weird so I think she's only been here for a very short amount of time while the knights and the monks have been here it can't be that short amount of time because clearly he's known her for a long time and he's had to clean up her messes before was that really like the last three months he's gotten that jaded it's been a really trying five months guys (laughs) okay no it's been really hard no and this is like I feel like this is a guy that like talks about this like I've been doing this for a thousand Uh years not like I've been doing this for the last two years since she started taking over my body like no like the way he said I've been cleaning up Glory's messes for a long time is not like that's what the weariness of a thousand years. I'm sorry. That's my position. In my head, he's a god, too. So in my head, as a viewer, I don't know what Ben is, but I would think Ben is immortal. I would think Ben is also a powerful being. In my head, I would almost think that a Ben glory a confrontation would be kind of like what's going to come because that there's two competing things inside this one entity right now that mm-hmm. are going to explode because I don't know. You know, watching this, it's like, oh, my God, Ben is glory, glory is Ben. What does that mean? It's not real. None of this. They made it. Don. I'm nothing. I'm just a thing the monks made so Glory couldn't find me. I'm not real. You're the key. How do you know about the key? Go. Before she finds you, don't ask me how she knows, because she always knows. Just go. Wait, calm down. Just tell me. You don't understand. You're a kid. You stay, she'll find you. She finds you, she'll hurt you. We'll never know. And that's okay. I know. <laughs> I've already come up with the most plausible explanation, which is because Glory is fused to his body, he's not going to naturally age and die. He's been the same age since he was fused to her. Oh, he's yeah. the same person. He's like <laughs> essentially a vampire, except he's not a vampire. His vampirism is Glory. Mm-hmm. But like so he was fully formed. He was a 26 year old dude in 1300 dude, whatever. Yeah, in 1300 whatever. Like, counting his coins in his little bag. Failing at being a sheep herder or something. Yeah. Never graduating to sheep master. (laughs) Sitting in the mud. And then this, like, red streak comes out of the air Mm. and strikes him. And then suddenly he's like a wand woman walking around. And then he gets shooed out of the village for being a weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the beginning of Ben's rest of his life. So my only refute to your theory is that um, 
if Glory had been around for that long, I think we would have heard about her sooner. But maybe not. Why would we have? I, I mean, yeah, because the plot didn't demand it. So it's why it's would hard. we have? Yeah. We never would have. There was stuff that. Giles has always known about the Buffy. He's like, why wouldn't you tell me? <laughs> the Feast of St. Bidges, of course. It's tonight. Glory has a penthouse apartment, and Ben presumably has his own home. D- do yeah. you, they're the same person, right? So when, <laughs> when Glory's up there in the penthouse, Ben is not in his house, right? Oh, my God. Yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> I just I keep imagining Glory waking up in like so day old boxers in his like crumb filled bed because <laughs> he does not have time to do laundry oh as an God. intern totally. and being like Ugh. and if he forgets to pay his rent like I mean there's so many things that could potentially just go wrong by accident and then oh yeah which like what the fuck is this what the fuck is and this? we're supposed to. We're supposed to believe they got it together enough to go to Czechoslovakia together. Well, that's that refutes your thousand-year <laughs> no. theory, though, because they would they would have worked in tandem by this point because they talk about each other like they know each other. So they've certainly had conversations in some way with one another. They would have gotten their shit together for over a thousand years, I, at least in my head. Because right now, I doubt. That, I mean, he's clearly not at the penthouse, right? So what is he doing? How is he affording this penthouse? And where does he live? Does he just live down the hall? Is the penthouse also his home? Just as his, that's him. That's you know, just him. You just... I know. I know. Glory's the bad guy, but like, it's pretty uncool for her to not just like set Ben up, right? Like, clearly she's living the lifestyle. He could just live at her place, but no, he's got to go live in whatever hole he lives in. Right? Doesn't want when he when she become when he becomes Glory or the other way around. Like when he becomes Ben again, what Ben can just stay. Yeah. Right? Like, what's yeah. going to stop him until he turns back into glory? Maybe it's just, like, a convenience thing. Because, like, if you want to bring a date home, how do you explain all these women's clothes <laughs> in your I closet? Know. Exactly. Oh, no, no, no. It's cool. I'm just a god half the time. I think that maybe he has his own room. Maybe they do live together and he has his own room. And then if he brings the lady over, he's just like, yeah, my well, roommate. I mean, we do. Oh, and, again, oh. maybe I hallucinated this. But in my head... Because we don't know that Ben is Glory and Glory is Ben because Don's already forgotten. Right. Buffy goes on a date with Ben or is at least going to because they meet at that party with the robot and she calls and leaves a voicemail on his voicemail. Oh. <laughs> a voicemail on his voicemail. On his physical landline. Answering machine. Answering machine. Thank you. God. <laughs> That's what the <laughs> that technology is called. Physical landline. <laughs> she- I'm just like trying to be like not a cell phone because they didn't have cell whatever anyways she leaves a voicemail on his answering machine and Gloria is the one that hears it the number that the number that uh, he gave Buffy rings to Gloria's house rings to Gloria's house good point good point good point good point good point and Gloria's the one that's there and hears it right and then she's like oh Ben's going on a date with the Slayer or something like that so they're definitely synced up like they definitely living together I don't know I feel like this voicemail was a lot more significant to me than it was to anyone else she um, absorbs the energies that bind the human mind into a cohesive whole once drained, all that's left behind is... Uh, Crazy people. Which is, I'm afraid, why well, there's been a marked increase in the ranks of the mentally unstable here in Sunnydale. Yeah, weird. Okay. Well, plus that's she is a, a god. She's revered by the minions and stuff, so you, they, I'm assuming, do are, stuff yeah. for her, get her I think you could also whatever. argue that they clearly are in sync because after she changes into glory at the hospital, she pulls out a dress from Ben's locker, yeah. which if they weren't planning on her to possibly change... She would have had to wear those scrubs. And she puts it on right over his big, fluffy white boxers. <laughs> <laughs> the very tight red dress just goes right over the diaper butt. And I don't know how no that's problem. possible. She's a god. <laughs> She's a god. She She's got magical happen. powers. Oh, man. That train just kept on going. Thanks for the night stuff. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I did this to us. 45-minute tangent on That bullshit. was original content right there. That was <laughs> original content. That was and the question's worth asking. And oh, totally. Molson. Absolutely. Can we lay off the tough questions for a while? Sorry. Man, okay, well, I'm just going to go ahead and say that we're a real podcast, and you can find us everywhere at BeatMePod, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. We have a website. It's BeatMePod.wordpress.com, and it has, like, all kinds of show notes. Maybe it'll have... Uh, personal essays from Stacia on why Glory has been around since 1100 and has been jumping from body to body. Hey, maybe she'll do no, short stories it's the about same body. About, uh, sorry, about Ben's <laughs> lysy, impoverished, sheep herding body from the 1100s. <laughs> and the red comment. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, also, we have a Spotify playlist that contains all the music that we use in our podcast, as well as any songs that are available on Spotify that are in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And you can find that. On Spotify, beat me hyphen fun time playlist for podcast fans. Season five is the the name of that playlist. So go ahead and, and follow that if you like music stuff. But even though we've already done a ton of it, I guess we I guess we should yell. We should yell some more. Do bring that fire, that glory fire, and tell me what you have to yell about, Sasha. Uh, Dawn's wearing a shirt that says "Little Miss Drama." Absolutely, she is. And Daniel, can you? Click on that screen cap of Buffy right there. Yeah, perfect. Damn. No, we'll never know. Stacia's desperately been trying to figure out what her earrings say and just, like, couldn't happen. But Little Miss Drama mm. made me think of it, and it's just, we'll never know. That's too bad. Her earrings say? They say yeah, there's something. a word in the hoop. Is this? <laughs> Enhance. Oh, Enhance. <laughs> Enhance. Oh, there's no, a red cross. The... Oh, wow. We keep going. Enhance. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> How close? What red cross? She has a red cross? On her scarf. She does? Mm-hmm. Zoom out. Oh, yeah. Oh. 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 Damning evidence. Oh, shit. Illuminati. Templar confirmed. Templar confirmed. Shit. Wow. Oh, no. Wow. Nate's Templar confirmed. Yeah. Buffy is one of them. changed. Hopefully this doesn't get shut down. Yeah, I I love the overhead shot and the uh, lit up desk. It's absolutely wonderful and I would kill anyone, any Templar. I'd fight the whole Knights of Byzantium to have a desk like this. I would kill anyone. absolutely wonderful. Uh, Giles, look out. Kill him. I disagree. Kill him. I think it would be hard to... Wait a second. How is the light that's following the circle of the desk light shining through what seems to be a pretty thick book? Is the light actually coming from above? No. Or, oh, no. I don't know. No. No, it can't be. But then how is that happening? No, we can't do this. We can't do this. <laughs> He's going to fuck I'm so, so sorry. What about Anya's hands? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about Anya's hands? Another book. (laughs) Anyways, moving on. Uh, Stacia, I think, pinpointed correctly that summer in San Diego when we went to go see our dad, because we do that regularly, has to be the summer between season three and season four. Because as we know, Buffy's sad SpaghettiOs. Sorry, every time. It's the portmanteau of sad overalls and SpaghettiOs. Buffy's sad SpaghettiOs happens between season two and season three. So it couldn't have been then. I definitely don't think it was this most recent summer because 
Hank is kind of estranged at this point, and they look to be basically the exact same age. So I I would buy that it was a year ago. So I think Stacia's right. I think the San Diego trip that definitely didn't actually happen uh, happened between seasons three and four. Um, I love that. Dawn decided to set the mood to get life-altering information by setting up books she wasn't intending to read, open to specific pages, lighting multiple candles, one of which is a pink unicorn, which is the Mm -hmm. best candle I've ever seen in my life. And I would like one now, but I'm sure they're like $120. Well, I'm sorry. And if I ever come across a unicorn candle, I'll make sure they get it for you. (laughs) Thank you. But my point is, such a vibe. She would have been great on Instagram. She would have been. Loved that setup completely no point to it there's a pt cruiser in one of the first shots where we see willow and tara you know probably like taking marijuana and putting it on the ground or whatever um (laughs) and uh it's right outside the espresso pump and so the word you can see the word pump clearly but not so much the espresso but there's a dot com i went to espressopump.com which is where I w- was hoping to find information on Sunnydale and where they're located on Maple Court. But all I found was uh, there's a website called Extreme Productions out of Victorville, California, which is outside of L.A., so not really close to our vicinity per se. But, uh, yeah, they just, like, help with cinematography and video stuff. So if you go to EspressoPump.com, it redirects to some random production Extreme company production. out of Victor- Extreme produ- Victorville, California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so strange. Well, don't re- don't forget about Jonathan.com. I mean, you went into the oh, whole yeah. of Jonathan. So, right. I mean, they, they've done this before, but clearly they weren't in it for the long game. So. Uh, another subtlety in the Don Spike scene, when they first break into the magic box, John's like, come on, hurry up. And he's like, I usually just burst through doors. <laughs> I just thought this little hand gesture and the way he just like, I usually just burst through them. And then he picks the lock because he's a badass and then has to show off to a 14-year-old because he's threatened by her somehow. Oh. Uh, Stacia? I really like all of the, like, I don't know what the right word is, but, like, verbal phrasings that Glory uses when she's talking to people. Like, she called Dawn, like, my little snapdragon and stuff. But the one that I would like to specifically highlight from this episode is crap dance. <laughs> short to the point. You know, it's it's very it's evocative language. All circumstances. <laughs> crap dance. Crap dance. <laughs> uh, there's a, a pennant. A triangle flag inside of Don's room. There's a lot going on in Don's room. There's a poster that we cannot confirm the band of um, that I've done. We've <gasps> done too much research on. And if you know it, please let us know. I mean, it's probably the one and only thing we really need to know I out know. there. So if you have information, please call Crime Lab us right now. Um, <laughs> no, there's a pennant though um, for the Sunnydale High School Razorbacks, which we know and love. But there's also a pennant for UC Sunnydale. Their their nickname is the Rockets. In season four, they the cafeteria they eat at all the time is called the Rocket Cafe. So I guess that's the mascot. I guess, but they never really go out of their way to say it. I mean, we have all in season one where we get the Razorback, we get the pig, we get, like, it becomes very established. But it's weird that we never last year did just even casually mention that they're the Rockets. Not that it was necessary, but I just thought they would. Maybe it's because Xander couldn't eat the mascot this time. Oh, yeah. Ooh, oh, yeah. Tough. They could, well, they do end up flying in space, so there is kind of a content. There's a little bit here. <laughs> uh, they and, do. And I did look it up, and the Vandenberg Air Force Base is in Lompoc, California, which is a city inside of Santa Barbara, so it is confirmed lore that the U.S. space program is in California, as we already know. Yo, dog. <laughs> I heard you like cities, so I put a city in here. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Ah, <laughs> uh, memes from early two thousands. <laughs> um, can I? I just I guess the only thing I care about in this episode is Spike and Don. Another beautiful subtle moment. Spike smoking a cigarette blows the smoke away from Don because he doesn't want to give her secondhand smoke because he's a good person. I don't know. He's a vampire. I wasn't lurking. I was standing about. It's a whole different vibe. When uh, Buffy splits everybody up to go look for her sister, um, Giles is walking in the alleyway. And again, it's just objectively funny. Giles just, you know, a tiny trash can. Size of the one that Dawn later burns. He lifts up the lid and looks in as if she's going to be hiding out there by the docks in the alley next to the bronze. Like, that's where she would go. Curled in the fetal position inside of a trash right. can. And then, and then to add insult to injury, yeah. we're on the set. We're at the spot where band candy happened and all that drama is happening by the factory. And I love it because, you know, Giles is also standing level with the stage and there's a little step ladder there and he can clearly see with eyesight onto the stage and no one's there but he climbs up the ladder anyway two or three steps just to get a better <laughs> view of the thing he can already see and while he's doing that xander uh leans down and peers into a corner that he can also it's clearly lit and you can see that no one's there but he needed to make sure that dawn was also not in a field position <laughs> there in the corner next to the stage that they're standing four feet away from and four feet no four inches away from i mean they're so close so that was all really stupid no i mean he had to get up the little stepladder otherwise we couldn't confirm i mean later buffy's like did you check the carousel and giles was really waiting for her to be like did you check the dumpster yeah. for him to be like yes and she's not there either <laughs> not even the little trash can that's the a small like, trash can <laughs> by the bronze did you check that she loves to hang out in there did you lift up the lid though did you lift up the oh, lid? did you lift up the lid though <laughs> so good oh god <laughs> Uh, another subtle moment in this episode that I didn't really catch multiple times that I've watched this when Dawn sets her trash can fire and Joyce and Buffy, you know, burst through the door. Buffy literally kicks down the door and there's like a little piece of the frame that flies off because she like kicked the door in and it was just so fluid and so like nonchalant. Like, yeah, of course I can fucking kick a door down. We don't have to talk about it anymore. It's season five. I just really like that. It's like, of course I can kick a door down. <laughs> Which oh, yeah, mean, I mean, too, though, that seems so. like an overreaction. It's danger. It's danger, girl. She got to get in there. Is the door locked? <laughs> yes. I could have just opened it. I mean, that would have been so much easier. It was locked, guys. Was it? Was it? Well, we've also seen Buffy do that move, right? When the door is locked and she just, like, turns it really hard. Breaks the doorknob. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess she could have done that. It would have been a little less traumatic. But, you know, if Joyce has one purpose on this show, it's to pay for house okay. repairs. Fine. She kicks down the door and then she immediately looks nowhere in the room. It's like she loses the ability to see and starts screaming at Dawn, who's clearly not there. And Joyce has to twice get Buffy's attention to <laughs> gesture gone. at the open She's window gone. for Buffy to be like, oh. She's gone. <laughs> <laughs> that was so, so terrible. No, she really could hurt. She's not here. <laughs> Shut up, Buffy. <laughs> Let us. Never forget uh, Xander when talking about uh, Dawn having a crush on him. He says, Just saying, powerful being, big energy gal digging the Zan man. Some guys are just cooler, you know? Well, I- and another disgusting thing, he says, Big girl god <laughs> Jones. Gross. <laughs> Love it. Uh, the guard walked into the. Um, the dressing room or the break room, whatever room that was. And without even skipping a beat walks right in and it's just like, you shouldn't be here. And then she, he gets killed. And I'm just wondering how many times has he done that in his career? Just walk into a room and just 
just immediately you're not supposed to be here maybe that's a thing he does you know and he wasn't expecting to die because he's had good luck so far but that seemed like an insane thing to do there's no way he could know every fucking doctor in this hospital that could be a brand new person who started work today and you're just yelling at her for being in a dressing room also you're just walking in i can see people behind you also people are changing and it's a break room they're sitting there eating food and coffee and people could just be changing over there that seems weird. yeah. The layout doesn't make any sense. But Daniel, he knew that she didn't belong there because women can't be doctors. That's not a thing. <laughs> That's not a thing. Do we really believe that Sunnydale has more than three doctors, though? <laughs> <laughs> Tara being scared of Glory is really heartbreaking in hindsight because she gets her brain sucked out. Everything about Tara is heartbreaking. In hindsight. <sighs> That's one hundred percent true. But yeah, when they're all around the magic box table at the beginning and they're talking about what Glory does, and she's like. She's a brain sucker. She she sucks brains. At least vampires just kill you. And it's like, oh, she's going to do that to you. Womp womp. Yeah. Daniel? <laughs> Thanks for bringing us down. I know. Blood on blood contact is always gross, and I hate it as, like, a thing people do. Did she hurt you? Why do you care? Because I love you. You're my sister. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Blood. It's Summer's blood. It's just like mine. It doesn't matter where you came from or or how you got here. You are my sister. Um, it just makes me uncomfortable, and I I don't know. I don't know why people are always like, "Here's blood," and like we have to touch as if to prove that we're like family i get it in this case you think you're a ball of energy but clearly you're not clearly you're not and you know that so we don't need to like rub wounds together <laughs> they do touch one another they do touch one another and you can kind of hear it like stick to one another and it's gross so, no thank you don't touch your wounds together it's gross that, it's gross that like, does just, not bother me as much as when people have to do some sort mm. of blood sacrifice and grab the knife and then just slice their palm oh, open yeah. and then like Turn it into a fist and the blood drips out the bottom of the fist. I hate... Why would you cut your palm of yeah. all the places? Cut, like, your shoulder or something? Well, Dawn just went for I'm straight up. This is blood, isn't it? It can't be me. I'm not a key. I'm not a thing. Oh, sweetie, no. What, what is this all about? What am I? Am I real? Am I anything? <laughs> <laughs> I just, just spit. I'd. I mean, just spit in your hand and do the spit take. That's thing. grosser. That's so much. I'd. Ra- no, I'd. Ra- <laughs> that's grosser. No. No. COVID unsafe. Uh, I just w- wanted to point out a little bit of validation for me. I oh, think goodness. that I recently spoke about how Giles. There's no way that he could keep up with Buffy anymore, and like he's getting hurt every time they work out and train or whatever. And he, even he was like, I don't think our workout is challenging you anymore. And I'm like, yeah, finally, get some professional help in here. The girl needs a personal trainer. She needs an actual MMA fighter. She needs somebody that can keep up with her ass. She's too strong for you, homie. So it was nice for Giles to admit that. Daniel? <laughs> My final one is um, if they are looking for somebody to, to help with, um, maybe like a stunt double or a body double, they can see Spike in the crypt um, because it'll never not be funny that the man that <laughs> Spike... Uh, when Buffy pulls 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 out the crypt and he falls into it, uh, is a just comically different person. 
Um, so if you get a chance, people, go find this image because it is delicious. I was really furious that when we rewatched this episode today, after you pointed it out, I saw it and it was like I couldn't not yeah. see it. And it was just so, so bad. <laughs> I didn't notice it again. Nice. I just like didn't notice this, it. This appeared. <laughs> and she was like, la, la, la. I can't say it didn't. There's a picture of it right in front of me. <laughs> but yeah, I totally did not notice. You didn't think you could keep the truth from her forever, did you? Maybe if you had been more honest with her in the first place, you wouldn't be trying to make yourself feel better with a round of kick to spike. Okay, uh, I do believe it's time for you to update our watches. That's true. Xander, construction outfit watch. No, he does not go to work, but he's a foreman, so that's to be expected, I guess. Maroon jacket watch. No, um, haven't seen it in a minute. Uh, Don's piercing screams. Yes, the OG. This is the one. Yes, um, the re- the one that is the one. I'm just a key, right? Everything about me is made up. Don, mom and I know what we feel. I know I care about you. I know that I worry about you. You worry about me because you have to. I'm your job. Protect the key, right? I worry because my sister is cutting herself. Yeah? How do you know? Maybe it's just another fake memory from my fake family. Sweetheart. Get out. Don. Get out. Get out. Get out! Uh, yeah, no, so that's that's it. Uh, Chips Ahoy, yes, implicitly, by sort of uh, when they were talking said that, you know, Spike, I'm not afraid of you because he has the chip in. Mm-hmm. And he was like, if you could only please be scared of me. Uh, Buffy has a personality. No, <laughs> but we do learn that Dawn hates marshmallows, though. Uh, De Hoffren watch. No, Tara and Willow are on the pot again. Yes, indeed. So uh, <laughs> her and Willow are afraid of birthday candles that don't blow out because they're superstitious or something. Or I, I don't even know why. Uh, Tara and Willow... Uh, can work on some tactical spells together. And then Willow is wearing a sweater that says Cowboy City, and you have to be pretty high. And it does explain a lot of uh, her <laughs> her fashion choices over the years now um, oh, with this revelation. During the birthday scene, <laughs> Buffy is talking about how she misses Riley, and she's like, maybe we'll start a new tradition, birth- mm. birthdays without boyfriends. And Tara goes, yeah, some of my best, and then trails off because Dawn is bleeding, and she it's like, God, I got to interrupt the conversation. But like, what the fuck was she going to say? Some of my best... Uh-huh. Birthdays have also been without boyfriends because I don't date men. Some of my best boyfriends have been without birthdays. That's right. What are the <laughs> what was I on the pod again? I mean, we talked about this off pod, but man, sh- no, she was high, and she was never going to finish that sentence, and she had no <laughs> idea where she was going. And again, thank God for Dawn being there because she was going to say that anyway. Bleeding. She was going to say, "Oh, look at that," and then she was going to make a run. <laughs> she was going to make a run for it. So. <laughs> <and> <laughs> This time, (laughs) this time she got away with it. That would have been funny. (laughs) Great, Uh, Michael Wicket, Amy Gothwatch. Uh, Yeah, there were spells in this episode. I guess you could say so. Uh, Books a million. Yeah, there were books around. Kind of stretching it there a little (laughs) bit. I mean, you know, uh, Streets Ahead. We need titles. Oh, we need titles. Okay, so no. So then it's a no. Streets Ahead. No. Uh, Giles biggest KO. No, but like I said. him not being part of the family. You're not family. That's the biggest game yeah. for sure for him. <laughs> Who's been using the urn of Ishtar as an ashtray? Well, that was wonderful. I'm glad that Willow has been added to the marijuana taking. <laughs> I think she introduced Tara to, to pot. You think Willow was the inciting incident? I think she's been the dealer this whole time. Maybe didn't introduce, but that might have been how they sort of, you know, if we didn't see how they got together, 
All right, Wicca group. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She was feeding. She was the drug dealer supplier for the Wiccan. The Wiccan group. I bet Oz got her into it. Totally, because he's a rock and roller, living that high (laughs) lifestyle. Mm. With his black fingernails, never forget. Black fingernails. That's the true sign of a pothead. Oh my God, (laughs) Spike! Spike's a pothead. Mm -hmm. Spike could have introduced Um, Oz. Of course he is. (laughs) It's a pot cabal. Okay. I don't know. It's time to rank the sucker. That's what I know. Tell us your rankings, Kelly. <laughs> no, I don't want to. <laughs> okay, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you could go. It's always me first. Yeah. Let's not break tradition. Willow hack slash. We talk about the net slash something wicked this way comes. I gave it a nine because we got protection mm-hmm. spells. We got te- teleportation spells. And this might be the first time that Willow gets hurt during a spell. We got the, the nosebleed. I don't remember if that's happened to her before. Yeah, it'll happen in the future for sure. But uh, Giles level of Giles, I gotta say, I don't think he was the Giles this he could beat. Um, he Hater. gets shown up by Anya because Anya knows way more about other dimensions than him. She's he, a thousand years old and I mean, an ex demon. It's true. So of course she does that. Wearing this like he's wearing this like pale gray blue windbreaker during the Buffy he, birthday scene. And he I, looks like he borrowed it from Buffy. Buffy's Buff Day. Doesn't this look like the season one jacket she wears? It does kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's completely uncharacteristic. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I think that he's not doing. Oh yeah, and Trying also something. searching poorly by looking in trash cans. I've got to say, I mean, just... that's rough. That's rough. I think he just didn't want to be around Xander anymore. So he's just like, oh god, <laughs> filling time, like whatever. And Xander's just following. Maybe he like, was debating oh. jumping into the trash can. <laughs> Well, Xander probably is just following him. He's like, oh, Giles just looked into the trash can. That was weird. So I'm going to stare into this corner. I feel like they were just riffing off of one another without thinking because they're just talking and not you know, paying attention. It was all just a game of how long do we have to look like we're looking before we can go. That yeah, was all it was. Basically. I gave him a seven. Could have been lower, but I mean, the points demand. Joyce. Now, great mom to Don, I think. You know, I mean, we kind of said that maybe her method wasn't the best, but I think the impulse to want to take care of your kid, while should be common sense, I, you got to give Joyce credit when, when it does happen because it doesn't always come so easily to her. She um, is infantilizing Dawn, which is the last thing that she wants. She is saying, nope, you're a uh, baby, you need chicken and stars, and Dawn's like, yeah, I might be fucking six months old, but you know what? I think I'm 14. I think I'm almost an adult, so fuck you. No, she was saying, I love you, have soup. Yeah, you'll say that uh, although, for your rankings, but that's not what happened. She does freak out on Buffy a little bit, though, so I, I only gave her an eight. But And also, she's not going to be with... We got, we're got we really counting an down eight. the episodes here. An eight. Yeah, an God, eight. Damn. Deal with it. Uh, Monster of the Week, again, I'm at a loss. Is it Glory? Is it the Knights of Byzantium? Is it the betrayal of not being told that you are a mystical ball of energy? Is it Ben? You know, because Ben... You know, and I think it turns out Ben's, I don't know if he's a good guy. Mm-mm. I don't know. So I, he summoned the Queller Demon to kill all these people. Didn't have a problem with it. Beat the shit out of Jinx. No problem with it. Fuck he seems Jinx. to be a little self-serving, which I get. I mean, you know, survival instinct. You want to keep yourself alive. But but then again, he does save Dawn, essentially, in this episode. He tries his best to get her to leave the fucking room. She refuses. But, you know, that's not that's not the worst. I don't know. Uh, because I don't really know who the big bad is, I just gave it a three. Because I don't know. Or sorry, Monster of the Week. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Three. Three it is. Relationship goodness or badness. Dawn and everyone, kind of terrible. But then by the end, Dawn and everyone, kind of good. And Dawn and Spike are great. So, seven. 
and episode specific. Finally, the key is the link. The link must be severed. Such is the will of God. Such is the will of God. I you gotta love a single-minded paramilitary force with a little mantra. It's just like classic bad guy stuff, and I'm into it. Ten out of ten. It's forty-four overall for the episode, which puts this one above family and one below checkpoint. Five for the season. Stacia, what do you got? I ranked this 39 out of 91. Okay. Where Upper is middle? Dark Age. Yeah. Where is Dark Age? Where is Dark Age? It's two below. Incredible. And wh- what seems... else is there? See, now that I can look at your rankings, I'm going to goad you more. What's what's above it and uh, below it? Uh, graduation Day Part 2. Is one above it? Is one above it. And Real Me is one below it. Okay. The other down one. Yeah. I was like, I don't know where to put this. And then I was like, oh, that's the other Dawn one. This one's better. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Solid. I think that's Solid true. logic. Yeah. Daniel? Uh, this episode was really fun. And in a different world, you know, this definitely beats a lot of other episodes. I would love to watch this one again. I had a great time watching it. I love Trachtenberg and I love Dawn. And any time to advance that further is great. A lot of good plot stuff happens, but it was, you know, still kind of a clunky episode. So trying to be, you know, more big picture here, I'm going to put it kind of in the middle of the pack, uh, middle of the season, because it does have just some of those classic Buffy, stupid, makes no sense bullshit. I had a great time talking, but most of the talk for us is about lore, how crazy and mm. silly a lot of this stuff is. But I put it at 71, 71 out of 137. So a little bit on the lower side, but kind of just in the middle. So. Okay, well, blow ties. I think we're done with that. Unless, Stacia, do you have anything else to say about this episode? Daniel, do you have anything else to say about this episode of television? Fine. I'm going to bed. That way I don't accidentally get exposed to if the apocalypse comes beat me. He's, he did it early. He did it early. He did do it early. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, oh He totally shit. did. It's I okay. Did. It's okay. My bad. Well, now that's in there, so. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I can't wait to talk to all of you, specifically the two of you. Next week, when we watch Crush, Harmony's coming back. Drusilla's coming back. Isn't that exciting? Are you so excited? Until then, Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye. Daniel, say goodbye. Never have, never will. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. get exposed to like words you make a very pretty little girl